Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Joe of Word of Prayer Cultural Center in Largo, Maryland. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. It is my prayer that you are both blessed and enriched by what you hear. Feel free to share with friends and family, and also feel free to follow us on our social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram. Our social media handle is at Wopsy, W-O-P-C-C. Visit us online at wopsy.church. God bless and happy listening. Hallelujah. Anybody ready for a word from God? Anybody ready for a word from God? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We have been um, filled and even bombarded in a great way with messages during the month of May about management. Um, There have been many that have come forth and they've come at us fast and I hope that we were taking notes or we plan on going back and watching um, because management is one of those things that are not just uh, a seasonal thing. It's not seasonal. It's something that we have to um, do every day of our lives. So that means that that's one of those messages that's not a 2023 message. That's going to be a 2024 message, 2025 message, and beyond. We're going to need to know how to manage those areas and more that we talked about last month. And so, um, Brother Meek made a declaration which stated thusly, hold up, wait a minute, y'all thought what I was finished. And so, I say that to say that um, it's not management made, but if you remember, there was one of them that we missed on a Wednesday called Managing Your Mental. And so, this morning, coming to you live, is managing your mental, amen? So it's management um, continued, how about that? Management continued, we gotta get this one in because this is very important. Um, Managing your mental is not exhaustive in any way, but it is uh, what God wants to either remind us of, instruct us toward, and encourage us about concerning our minds and concerning our mental, is that all right? Can anybody use a word like this? Amen. 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 So with that being the case, um, uh, May uh, last month is uh, marked as Mental Health Month nationally, a month to bring awareness to all things mental health and its overall importance with respect to the human experience. And yes, human experience, even the Christian human experience. Because sometimes, you know, as Christians, we need to be reminded that we're humans. Hallelujah. And so even the human Christian experience is what mental health speaks to. And there are some things as kingdom citizens that we trusted with, blessed with, and charged to take care of, a.k.a. Stuart. An obvious one is our bodies, but another sometimes underrated and overlooked one 
is our minds. Somebody say our minds. Amen. I think there is a popular slogan that says that the mind is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> Mental health, you all, is not a secular thing. Mental health is not a worldly thing. Mental health is very much a spiritual thing and has both spiritual causes and consequences. I would even go as far as to say that those who are approaching mental health without Jesus, they're not going to get everything that they need to get. Just like those who approach marriage without Jesus. Do you all know that? As far as I'm concerned, if anybody gets married and they're not believers in Jesus, they're not married. They had a ceremony. They, I mean, documentation and legal rights and stuff like that. But if you really believe that marriage was established by God, if you really believe that marriage is between him and a man and a woman, if you really believe um, that marriage is to show the world Christ because he said that he's married to his bride, if you really believe that, I mean, if you don't believe that stuff, maybe you shouldn't be Christian. But if you really believe that, then you have to realize that no matter what the world has told you, that's what marriage is. And likewise, the world will come and attack certain things and approach certain things but how many of you know that whenever you want to get to the heart of something and the creation of something you have to go to the creator of something and so your mind it is a terrible thing to waste but it's also a terrible thing to not realize that God is the one who gave it to you amen Amen. And so when we speak of mental health, I'm trying to break any stigmas of secularism because I want to let you know that your mind didn't come from the world. Now, it could be heavily influenced by the world, but that's not where it comes from. And so the truth is before there was scholarly or scientific studies, before there was any type of scholarly or scientific study, uh, evidence or material, before anybody had a therapist, and before mental health was trendy or had its own month of recognition, the Bible, anybody know about the Bible? <laughs> Somebody say the Bible. The Bible had and has much to say about the mind and even that of its maintenance. The word mind, you all, shows up about 100 times in Scripture, 96 to be exact. And so that means that you can look in the book in addition to the resources because God blesses people to be able to be certain type of doctors and specialists and things like that. But what I'm saying is that you've got to marry that, if you will, with what God has to say. Amen? And guess what? If anybody is saying anything contrary to what God has to say, they may be good at what they do, but you have to uh, 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 
plug away or tear away from whatever it is they're saying, if it's not of God. Um, I saw somebody on social media, um, and they were saying that they were going to a, a vocal coach, and the vocal coach started talking interestingly about some stuff, and they were plugged into God. God dropped a word on their heart, and then the vocal coach used that word, and then they were able to see that there was something going on other than just vocal coaching. We have to heighten our discernment. And everybody who's a specialist is not worthy of specializing on you. And that wasn't even written down, prophet, so the Lord is speaking. Somebody say mental health. It's important to note that when we say mental health, we're not saying brain health. We're saying mind health, all right, because there is a difference. A lot of times those two are used interchangeably or we think of them the same. Uh, of course, the organ that is your brain, it has its own place as far as health is concerned. Neuroscience has a category of its own, but we're not talking about brain health as much as we're talking about mind health. Because while, of course, connected, there is a difference between your brain and your mind. Okay? So, Pastor Joe, what are you saying? What is your mind? Well, the word mind is defined as the element of a person that enables them to be aware of the world and their experiences, to think and to feel the faculty of consciousness and thoughts. The scripture says, let this mind be in me. Let's take a look at that. Philippians 2.5. Philippians 2.5. If you're from Capitol Heights, um, that may ring a bell. Hallelujah. But we're talking about Philippians. Philippians 2.5. <laughs> Amen. That's a PG County reference. If anybody's watching from another state or anything, then let it be an insider. Amen. It reads like this. Let this what? Mind be in you, which was also in whom? In Christ Jesus. Now, the word mind, again, you all think about what it means. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So it doesn't mean his actual brain. Because when I was younger reading that scripture, I'm like, I know that's right. I want the same brain that Jesus had, you know. And so it's not saying that if you read the scripture and you do your due diligence as far as contextual consideration, then you'll see that the word mind here means thought process. It means consideration. Let us think the way Jesus thinks. Let us consider what he considers, all right? So if we look at more of that scripture, let me pull it up right here. That's Philippians 2.5. And it says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought, okay? Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so what it's saying is, uh, let me think 
the way Jesus thinks. Let me have the thought process of Jesus. Let me consider how and what he considers. Let us think the way Jesus thinks. Does anybody want that? Does anybody want to think the way that Jesus thinks? In order for us to be more like Jesus and to do the things that Jesus does or did that we read about in Scripture, then we have to first know how to think like him. All right? Let us consider what he considers. And it's so amazing how all this ties together because in order to manage your mouth, yeah, now mind you, mine was supposed to be Wednesday, mouth was supposed to be Sunday because it starts in your mind. Because in order for you to think like Jesus and if you want to consider what he considers, then that will control what you release out of your mouth. Because I'm going to consider the fact that Sister Vivian might be a new creature in Christ. I know you're not, Sister Vivian, but that's an example. I'm going to consider the fact that Deacon Butler, he may need an example. I'm going to consider the fact that Deacon J.B., this might, let's just imagine that these people aren't, you know, serving and, and believing. This might be the only Jesus that J.B. sees. And so now, before I fly off at the handle, I'm stopping to take some things into consideration. Not things that I would normally take into consideration, but because I'm not operating in my own will, my mind, we'll get there in a second, your will comes under the umbrella of your mind. I'm not operating under or it's coupled with, I'm not operating, I'm thinking with the mind of Christ. And so if I can think with the mind of Christ, I can speak with the mouth of Christ. Hallelujah. Check this out. The brain deals with what you know, but the mind deals with what you do with what you know. Okay? I'm going to say that again. The brain deals with what you know, but the mind deals with what you do with what you know. All right? For example, I am... Uh, you know, somebody who is endeavoring to be more healthy and endeavoring to, to eat right and to get in better shape and to drop some weight. And I realize, I come to terms with the fact, and I think I, I've even shared it a few weeks ago, that as far as my brain is concerned, I know exactly what to do, right? I literally know exactly what to do. And if I, I do it, then it's going to get done. But in order for me to go from knowing to doing, something has to take place in my mind. There has to be a connection because you can't just know. But in order to get from the knowing to the doing, then you can't just have the brain knowledge, but you have to have the heart knowledge, you have to have the will, and you have to have the mind to do what you know to do. So the brain deals with what you know, but the mind deals with what you do with what you know. A lot of us, we have committed scripture to memory. A lot of us, we know the, 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 the uh, popular colloquialism of church. We know how to say that we're blessed and highly favored. We know the different songs to sing. and the, We know all of that. That has been computed in our brains. But in order for you to live a life that 
is an image bearer of Christ, then that means, you know what, something has happened in regards to your mind. Listen, guess what? The enemy and all his imps, they know scripture. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Scripture stays on the brain. We read about it. Uh, when when, when uh, Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and the enemy came to tempt him, what did he throw at him? Scripture. He had scripture on the brain, but obviously not scripture concerning his mind in a way that is made up to do good and not evil. So again, the brain deals with what you know, but the mind deals with what you do with what you know. When something happens to you, has anybody ever had something to happen to you? When something happens to you, and even let's say you experience trauma, the body deals with the shock and the impact of what has happened. But your mind determines, especially moving forward, how you deal with what happened, how you process what happened, how you live in through and sometimes in spite of what has happened. So it's important uh, to us in all of our managing to not neglect the management of our what? Minds. Amen? I'm just driving home why mental health is important. In WOPBI, we learned the difference between dichotomy and trichotomy. Um, if you haven't gotten there yet, keep going. If you haven't started yet, then you can start in less than a week from now. Registration starts in six days, hallelujah, at graduation. Henry Wise High School at 1 p.m., shameless what? Plug, amen, amen. But, but, but listen, trichotomy is the idea and dare I say the truth with biblical evidence that we are three parts. How many parts? We're three parts, all right? And it makes sense because I heard that I'm created in my father's image and he's three parts, amen? And so trichotomy is saying that as um, human beings, we have three parts. We are spirit, soul, and what else? Body. Yes. Spirit, soul, and body, all right? Spirit, soul, and body. Check this out. I am a spirit. I possess a soul. And I live in a body. All right, that's it. I ain't say repeat me, but I like that. Let's, let's all repeat it together. All right, listen. I am a spirit. I possess a soul, and I live in a body. Yeah, yeah, three parts, and all three of those parts should be addressed and cared for. The mind, you all, falls under the soulish part of man. Your soul is this, your mind, your will, and your emotions, all right? So again, let's paint the picture. Let's say we had a flow chart, all right? Spirit, soul, and body. Underneath of the soul, you'll find the mind. Along with it, the will and the emotions. Is everybody with me? Metaphysically, mind health is connected to soul health. Yeah, anybody want a healthy soul? I remember I preached a message when I was younger called a healthy soul. Yes, indeed. Um, physically, mind health is connected to brain health and heart health, all right? We talked about the heart last week. And an unhealthy mind, an unhealthy soul can lead to an unhealthy body and a poor spirit. 
all right? This, these are the effects that your mind can have on uh, the entirety of your trichotomy. Somebody say, it's important to manage your mind. Amen. So our triune makeup was the three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body are all connected. The mind falls under which one, y'all? Soul, exactly. All right, and in this life, a lot of what we feel, a lot of who we connect to, who we connect to, who we connect to, a lot of what we think, a lot of how we move, etc., is often driven by our soul, which holds our what? Minds. Amen. Amen. You ever heard of make up your mind? You ever told somebody that? Come on, make up your mind. Yeah, that, that indecisive spirit. Anybody in a relationship with a beautiful woman, with a beautiful mind, but somehow she never knows what she wants to eat. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not saying, you know, my beautiful woman. I'm just saying in general, I hear... I'm going to leave it alone, amen? <laughs> we all have heard the phrase, and we all have been in a situation where even if you don't say it, because you're managing your mouth, you're thinking, make up your mind. Why? Why? Why do we say make up your mind? Because your mind is in control. Your mind is like the control center. Your mind is in the cockpit, if you will. Listen, listen, listen. Your spirit, when you have Holy Spirit, is always going to want to do the spiritually healthy thing. And often your body, this flesh that we have, is going to seem to always want to do the unhealthy thing. But it's your mind that decides which way you're going to go because I want to go both ways. I want, I want it. Part of me wants to do this and the other part of me knows I'm supposed to do that. So I literally have to make it up in my mind that if I'm going to follow him, I'm going to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back because I made up my mind. And if you're going to go ahead to sin and darkness and if you're going to go the way the enemy wants you to go, then go full speed. Don't try to jump over here and jump over there. God says, listen, make up your mind. I'd rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm, right? And so make up your mind, your spirit. When we have HS, we have Holy Spirit. Your spirit is going to want to do the spiritually healthy thing. Your body is going to want to do the unhealthy thing. So we have got to address this mind the place of the decision factor. Your body wants to lay down and just go to sleep tonight. And your spirit right, might remind you where well, you, you've been to church. You know how we've been to church, so we think we don't got to, you know, get in the word the rest of the day. So let's, let's fast forward to Monday. It's Monday. Church was yesterday. And here we are on Monday. The whole day then came, your body just wants to lay down. Your body just wants sleep. I just want to go to sleep. But your spirit, that old spirit, 
That spirit is a spring chicken. It'll just spring on up, just a spry, and it reminds you that you haven't prayed like you planned on doing before bed. Your body's Your body really wants you to sleep, and your spirit really wants you to pray. And guess which one you're going to do? Whichever one your mind ends up coming into agreement with. So this mind, you all, is so important because we talked about before that that life is choice-driven. And we live and die by the choices we make. So therefore, we can't do what we want to. We have to do what we should do. And the only way we can do that is if we make up our minds. And this is why we have to tend to our minds and get our wills aligned with God's will. Because only a mind strengthened in the Lord will choose staying up to pray. Only a mind strengthened in the Lord will choose that. All other minds will go ahead and lay down, and I pray in the morning. (laughs) Our nature, you all, our nature will choose sleep over prayer every time. Sleep over church service every time. Sleep over Bible study every time. That's just natural. That's just natural. Naturally, our minds will tell us to do whatever our bodies want to do. Want to eat. Want to sleep or want to sleep with. What to say? All of these things, naturally, our minds will tell us to do what our body wants. So now that means that, listen, what the scripture says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, we've got to raise up a standard. We've got to raise up, okay, so if I already know that I'm going to want to do naturally whatever my body wants, Okay, then what am I going to do about it? What type of standard am I going to raise? What, what, what type of thing am I going to do to combat that? Whether it's, it, it's sleeping, whether it's uh, eating, whether it's not praying, whatever, that's the natural inclination. But I heard that I'm just uh, 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 not a natural being having a spiritual experience, but I'm a spiritual being having a natural experience. So natural, get up off me. Because I'm spiritual at my core. And so, therefore, the scripture says this in Romans 12 and 1. (laughs) Let's look there in the New King James Version, and we can read verses 1 and 2. Some of us know this scripture by heart. Romans 12 and 1 says what? It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, New King James, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living what? Sacrifice. See, sacrifice is what it takes to get up and pray when you already to lay down. Sacrifice is what it takes to get up for church when that alarm goes off, but you know you stayed up late and you don't feel like getting up. Sacrifice is what it takes when you had the opportunity to go to church, but then you also have something else to come. Sacrifice. You want God to love you, but you don't want to love God. Because love has to do with sacrifice. 
And so when we make these sacrifices and when we put our flesh in check and when we say, nature, get up off me, flesh, get away from me, those are the moments where we're able to love God back. We are talking about the one who sacrifices life for us, right? And so when you think of it that way, then it encourages you to say, you know what, God? I only have breath in my body because of you. So what ways can I sacrifice for you today? Can you imagine if we woke up with that perspective? Not how can I, you know, how me, me, and, you know, I, I, and what I want and what I feel. And how, but God, how might I sacrifice for you? That's a scary prayer. But it's a necessary prayer. If you want to operate in his will, and if you want to be somebody who is not just smothered in the love of God, but you want to love him back, then you got to be able to sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Again, not asking you to do anything extra for real. It's what you just should do. And it says this further, and do not be conformed to this world, mm -mm -mm. but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your what? That's the only way transformation is going to take place. If you are trying to transform your habits, be it health, be it finances, be it anything, transformation is going to take place in the mind, all right? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's look at this in the New Living Translation, the NLT, Romans 12, 1 through 2. And it reads like this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. That means it's important. To give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Woo, Jesus. Just because I can never repay you, Lord, for what you've done for me, don't mean that I won't even give you a sacrifice. I won't give you nothing. Lord, I could, I could never repay you, so I'm going to just live how I want to live. No. No, no, no. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2. Hallelujah. And verse 2 reads in the NLT. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody got it? Who got it? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think. By changing what? The way you think. Uh -huh. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. Amen. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a what? A new person. By what? Changing the way you think. I'm in the process of changing the way I think about food, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. About changing. You got to some see some stuff you have to have a relationship with. The thing I realized, food is not like crack. You don't need crack. You can be addicted to crack and you can be addicted to food, but the thing is, you have to have food. So certain things that you struggle with, they have to be in your life in some capacity. So you can't go cold turkey with food like you can go cold turkey with crack, right? What y'all laughing at? I can't even. You with me, Sister Yolanda? We not talking cigarettes. Right? We're not talking something that you, we're not talking alcohol, even though some of you act like you can't live without that. But the truth is, you can live without that. That's not a necessity. You, you don't need that to live. And so there are certain things that some of us have an unhealthy relationship with that we honestly can just cut off. But some of us have unhealthy relationships with things that are uncuttable. So then what do you do? Huh? You have to change your mind toward them. You have to build a new relationship with, you have to relate to them, but you know what? I'm gonna relate to you differently. Yeah? I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. You with me, prophet? And so, change the way that we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and what else? And perfect. In other words, y'all, your body going body, your spirit going spirit, but your mind is the place that must be transformed. Amen? And so how do we transform our minds? Well, one of the ways is with the washing of the word. We find out what the word has to say about what we need to change our minds about, okay? Um, the washing of the word. And so there are spiritual things um, and there are natural things. Another thing spiritually is policing your thoughts. <laughs> now, here's the thing. This stuff takes work. All right? And so a lot of times, rest cousin comes in. What's rest? Who's rest cousin? Y'all remember lazy. And we just say, forget this. Because, okay, now you want me to police something? Yes want you to police your thoughts. If you really want to change your relationship with something, you really want to change your mind, if you really want a healthy relationship with that person, place, or thing, then I want you to police your thoughts. What does that mean? That means that everything that comes to your mind can't be something that you say, can't be something that you do, can't be something that you even Keep in your mind, but keep on playing it. Uh-huh. And keep on resting in it. And keep on allowing for it to now manifest in your heart. All right? So the thing is, the thoughts, thoughts going to thought. Thoughts are going to come up. Things are going to come Some of us, they're, they're really bad thoughts. Some of us, they're really nasty thoughts. Some of us, the thoughts come with really bad words, right? Oh, I'm, um, it's just me. Okay, don't be afraid to say amen. If you haven't realized by now, this is a real message. So ain't nobody going to judge you if you say that you're, the thoughts that come up come with cuss words. Amen? Ain't nobody judging you. Okay? So what we're saying is, now when those thoughts come, am I just letting them do whatever they want to do, or am I policing them? 
Are you going to let whomever come in your house? If you're anything like Caleb, you're checking the monitor. Caleb, that boy, <laughs> he, 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 he loves the app and everything. He is the security of the house. And if you ring that doorbell, he's going to let us know. Because who is that? Not just anybody should be coming in my house. And so, not just any thought. Now, you, I can't stop you from coming to the porch. But I don't have to open the door. So, that's how we can control the thoughts. We don't control them from coming and ringing the bell. We don't control them from knock, knock, knocking at the door. We don't control them for, from being on the porch. But if you open that door, that's on you. That's on you. And what I've learned about certain thoughts, especially when it comes to perversion, when it comes to perverse thoughts, you can't let perversion in and then decide what it's going to do and where it's going to go. Perversion is wild. And once you let perversion in, it's in, it, it will run amok in your house. So that's why some of us are watching porn and wondering why perversion is showing up in other areas. Because you let it in the door. Perver you thought perversion was just going to settle at pornography? No, 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 no. You let a spirit in. Your eye gates. And so now that spirit is running wild, so now you're going to sleep and dreaming about stuff that you never thought you'd dream about. Stuff that you would never do. You think. Because your spirit would never do that. But once you let perversion in, you can't control where perversion goes. And so this is why we have to police our thoughts. Because even before you watched the pornography, it was a thought. You didn't just shoot. Well, how did I get here? No, 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 no. It was a thought, and it came knock, knock, knocking at the door. And guess what? You tried to decide if you was going to answer or not. Not this time. And then somewhere along the line, you went and open the door. So what we're learning to do is, since we can't control this side of things, which is who comes to the porch, and we can't control this side of things, which is once you let them in, they run amok, we're operating in focusing on that space we can control. And the space we can control is letting them in the door. Is this making sense to anybody? You need to upgrade your spiritual security system. That's what I'm saying. You need to upgrade your spiritual security system. The higher you go, see, the security we have, they like to um, throw deals at us and show us the new this and the new that. The higher you go in the spirit, those different gadgets and upgrades, it comes with it. So now, up, oh, I can see you from a mile away. Now, my spirit, there's a siren going off on my spirit, and you haven't even got to the door yet. You just came in the neighborhood, and already 
you park your little car and the siren is going off. See, that's what happens when you start allowing your mind to be transformed by the washing of the word and you get that security system up. You police your thoughts. And so the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, because how do we police them? Okay, let's see. You've heard this before, but maybe with this new example and new context, it'll hit different. You know, sometimes the scripture will hit different. All right. So 2 Corinthians 10, 5 in the King James Version says this, casting where? Down. Imaginations. Ooh, ooh them imaginations. If you don't cast that down, you let that thought in and you will end up literally in your own world. What do I mean by that? You now, your body is reacting emotionally. You're living in a place that doesn't exist. You're mad at people who ain't even thinking about you. You're being controlled by people who have long let go of you. Why? Because that old imagination can be something. Now, mind you, imagination can also be beautiful. So it depends on what we're letting in. Every thought is not bad. So if we let in that good thought, and we say, Caleb, it's all right, they're supposed to be here. Then they come in, and you can have a, a, a good time with that good thought. That good thought can lead to good opportunities, and that good thought can lead to good revelation and stuff like that. But the type of imagination that we casting down is not that type. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that does what? Exalteth itself. Well, first of all, that's a problem right there. Because the scripture says he who exalts himself will be humble. He who humbles himself will be exalted. So shouldn't none be exalting itself. Exalting itself against the what? The knowledge of God. And some of us, some of us, we read too much. We entertain too much. Too much that literally goes against the knowledge of God. If it goes against what God says, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I definitely don't want to feed off of it. I don't, I don't want to allow, I don't want to let it in because that's what Adam and Eve did and then they began to doubt what they knew. Yeah? And bringing into captivity every thought, how many of them? All of them, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Even the good thoughts have to be captive to the obedience of Christ because you can have a good thought, but you got to make sure it's a God thought because now you didn't got this good idea, but now if you don't keep it subject to the authority of Christ, you're operating out of time and out of season. So now you're saying, but God, you gave me this idea. Why does it feel like your grace isn't on it? Because you ran with it and you weren't still enough for me to say 2020. Every thought, literally every thought, every thought has to be viewed by the security mind. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen? Is this good to anybody? I don't know if this is what you thought it was going to be, but it's what God wants it to be. Amen? 
And so there's this thing um, that I was taking a look at this week, um, and it's called reframing. Reframing. It is something that um, is used in uh, the professions involving mental health. And reframing, you all, is a challenge to your thoughts. Reframing, it's a push toward perspective, all right? Reframing is putting it in a new frame. And it's funny because I saw on social media a person who um, deals with, like, designing rooms and stuff like that. And so he had this picture, and he thought it came in a, a gold frame, but it came in a black frame. And then he went ahead and said, well, listen, since it came in uh, the black frame and I wanted the gold frame, I'm going to go get a gold frame, and I'm going to reframe it. And so somebody was in the comment section, and they said, man, I thought you were doing too much at first. But once you put it in the new frame, I saw that the picture somehow looked better. It looked even better. The new frame caused colors to come out that I didn't even see at first. And so there's this thing called reframing that you can do with your thoughts. Same picture, new frame. Because <laughs> some of us want to change the picture when all we actually have control of is the frame. Ooh, Jesus. Reframing, reframing. I'm going to give you an example. And uh, I'm going to mention Caleb again because yesterday we had an opportunity to do something called sleep in just a little bit, you know. We had something to do, but it wasn't that early. And in the grand scheme of waking up on regular days, yesterday was a sleep in. Has anybody ever had a day like that where maybe for work you have to get up at 6? And so really, even if it's getting up at 8 or 9, it's sleeping in, right? Amen. And, and this is a total sidebar, but it's crazy to me how some people have to get up earlier for work than church, dot, dot, dot. Okay, so anyway, any, I didn't say nothing. Listen, you, listen, you can, you can, I just knocked at the door. You can let it in. You can, I don't know. But, <laughs> but anyway, we had a chance to do a little, a little sleeping in. And some way, somehow, little brother Caleb decided that he wanted to wake up before it was time for us to wake up. And it's nothing worse than having, and emphasis on having, to get up before you planned to get up. Amen? And so, to be honest, we were blown. Like, you know what I'm saying? We were just, like, we were, we, 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 we were, like, Caleb, you gotta be kidding me. Like, we, we looking at the... And so, mind you, this isn't a thing he normally does, which also was interesting. You know, the enemy can use some kids, I tell you. I can't wait till they're old enough to get saved because they really are. You know, we're born into sin and shaped in iniquity. And them kids, they can remind you. So, anyway, because I, I don't think that was God. I really don't think that was God. Couldn't have been. So, anyway... It came a time, now there was a time where, you know, and I'm proud of our 
dear first lady, because uh, she's a little bit more, you know, reactive than I am. Let's just say that. And she did good. And so I believe that we were both reframing in that moment. I don't know about her, but I know I was reframing. And what I mean by that is as blown as we were, I had to start saying, all right, I'm thankful that he woke up this morning. I'm thankful that we were able to hear him wake up. And now we woke up. It was earlier, but we're in the land of the living. I'm thankful that we have children. There's some people that wish they could be waking out of their sleep by children. Like, you know, that's reframing. When you begin to take the same picture, but you literally for your sanity have to put it in a new frame. And so that's just giving you an example now. You can use that in whatever way it applies to you. Some of you have been really, really bothered and upset about something at work. I want you to draw a rectangle, and I want you to reframe. I want you to write, I want you to put work in the middle of the rectangle and write along the frame all of the things that you're thankful for in spite of. All the things that you're appreciative about that situation in spite of. All the things that you're thankful unto God about in spite. This is an example of reframing. And so I want to look at, um, at Numbers 13, and we're going to do a little reading, and then we'll close out. Is that all right? Somebody say reframing. Is this message helping anybody yet? Amen. Numbers 13, uh, we'll start at 1 through 14. Like I said, we'll do a little reading. And um, this is a popular story, some of you know the story. And here we go talking about Caleb again. <laughs> Joshua and Caleb, all right? Always said that if, if, you know, never wanted but one boy, but God said otherwise. But I always said if we had twin boys, I would want them to be named Joshua and Caleb. I love that. Because Joshua and Caleb, they were amazing. Um, especially, it takes a lot to stand out among the crowd. It takes a lot to say what God has said, even in the midst of everybody else saying otherwise. And so if we look at Numbers 13, we're going to travel. And it says this, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. All right, so Moses was sending out the leaders of the, the 12 tribes. So it then was 12 men that was going to spy out the land that God had already told them belonged to them. All right, what happens when God tells you something and then you go to Pekin and it looks like otherwise? Do we change our minds about it? Or... Do we continue to stay in the mind frame of if God said it, he's going to do it? <laughs> Amen. So let's continue. And the Lord spake, uh, sorry, and Moses by the commandment of the Lord sent them from the wilderness of Paran 
all those men were heads of the children of Israel, so those 12 tribes. And these were their names of the tribe of Reuben, uh, Shammah, the son of Zachar, of the tribe of, yeah, we're going to skip over the names. Except for Joshua and Caleb. Yes, yeah, that's for Caleb. Amen. So we'll skip over that. Yep. Ooh, it's a lot of tribes. Amen. Here we go. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, get you up this way southward, all right, and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. So let's just see what you're up against. All right, let's keep going. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be good wood therein or not, and be ye of what? Good courage. See, the Lord always sends a word that we have to hold on to before we get to what we see. If the Lord says be of good courage, that means you're about to see something that could cause you to not be of good courage. That's like when we talk about our homies, uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, where Jesus told them before everything went down, this sickness is not unto death, and then he left town, right? And they're all tripping out because he left town, forgetting the word that he left you with. What word did he leave you with before you got in this season of seeing what you didn't think you would see? You're telling me what you're seeing, but I want to know what he was saying even before you got here. Oh, Jesus. This is a Jimmy. This is a, a Jimmy word. It's a lot of gems in here. And be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as men uh, came to Hamath. All right, let's keep going. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. I got to get close when you read them. And they came unto the brook of Eskal and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eskal because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. All right. Everybody with me? And they returned from searching of the land after how many days? Forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron. Who was Aaron to Moses? His brother. And to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. All right, let's keep going. Let's see what their report was. 
And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, here we go, here we go. That means this, this report about the shift going down here. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities, they're walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. All right. The Melekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Y'all know what that means? He shut them up and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able. To overcome it. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what does 31 say? Because I'm getting excited. Hallelujah. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able. And I didn't even know they spoke Ebonics like this in the King James. We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Now go back to 30, because I like that one better. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. What I want to say to you today, and I'm closing, is that some of us, we've gotten to the other side of the thing, and it looks shaky. We've gotten to the other side of the thing, and it looks scary. We got to the other side of the thing, and we start counting costs and calculating expenses, and now we are afraid. But I need the Caleb on the inside of you to rise up and say, yet we are still able to overcome whatever God showed you in a dream I don't care how defeated you are I don't care how depressed you've been I don't care how down you've been I want you to stand up on today and remind yourself that it shall come to pass I shall have what he said I shall have I shall do what he said I shall do I shall be who he said I shall be Nation shall call me blessed because he said it, and if he said it, it's settled. Come on, somebody. Come on, give him an it's settled. Pray. Listen, I know you see the Amalekites and the Jebusites and the Hittites and all the ites, but I need you to see the promise in the midst of the process. I need you to see Jesus in the midst of the giants. I said I need you to see Jesus in the midst of the giants. You are yet able because he's yet able. You are able to overcome because we overcome through him. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever think or imagine. And some of us, even now, as we're listening to this message, we're at a crossroads. We're at a very pivotal time where we can make up our minds to go with Josh and Caleb, or we can go ahead with the 10. And I need you to not forsake God in this crossroad moment. I need you to not 
forsake and to have these intrusive thoughts that go against what God has said. I need you to not be driven by these thoughts that are plaguing your mind. I need you to cast them out. I need you to police them things. Because all they're trying to do is prohibit you from promise. Oh, but the devil is a liar. Oh, the devil is a liar. If he said it, he'll do it. If he showed you, it shall come to pass. God specializes in the impossible. We serve a God who's a heart fixer. And what else is he, y'all? A mind. God, regulate our minds. That's our prayer this week. God, regulate our mind. My mind has gotten so out of whack. God, just ooh, start me from scratch. I need you to, I need you not even to upgrade, but to install a security system in my mind. Let me be more choosy, more picky with what I'm allowing in. Let me have and build such a reputation that certain things don't even try to come to the door. Be my heart fixer and be my mind regulator. <laughs> Isn't it so good that we have a mind regulator? Isn't it so good that we have a God who literally will help you regulate your thought life? Whew. And so I leave you with this, reminding you that the washing of the word is pivotal for the transforming of our mind, as is the policing of our thoughts. And if you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to get with God because of this message and see in what ways you can better police your thoughts. Remember, don't let the enemy condemn you for having them. But also, don't let him convince you to let them in. They can come to the porch, but we ain't letting them in the door. Amen? Why? Because we're stewards. And we are managing a number of things, and one of them must be our mental. Can we give God glory? Can we give God glory all over the building? Come on, let's give God glory for the word of God. This is what thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah.